0: In October of 2016, four young Ethiopian girls were put in jail and beaten for handing out Christian documents. Eden is 15, Gifty and Mahiri were both 14, and Deborah was 18. Four young girls whose only crime was passing a Christian publication to one of their friends. They were in prison, taken from their family, forcefully beaten and threatened in jail. This is just October of last year. When they got out, they were interviewed by a Christian organization. And here's what their response was. Little Eden, 15, she says, this suffering is an honor for us. We should expect persecution. We are not afraid. We are singing and praying here in prison. Deborah added, it is an honor to be jailed for God's kingdom. Amen. There is a peace that passes understanding for those who are firmly rooted in Christ. There is a calm in the midst of a storm where even 15-year-old girls can look like army veterans This is not possible in the world, and this is not possible unless you are founded on Christ Jesus. I mean, this is uncharacteristic behavior. No one else in the world does this. We can be tough, we can go through trials, but no one sings in the midst of being beaten. No one sings in jail. But throughout history, believers, starting with Stephen, pray for those who persecute them. They rejoice in the Lord in the midst of suffering. They sing his praises even though the world hates them unto death. Our rock, our foundation is so secure that in Christ we can sing in the midst of persecution. And this is impossible without being founded on our rock. That's why every song we sung this morning was so intentional. This hopefully prepares our hearts and minds to look at our text this morning. So I want to jump right into it. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're covering verses 24 through 27. uh, But like we did last week, we are going to read it in context. So I'm going to start reading in verse 21. Uh, Again, I said it before and I will keep saying it, that when we read in our modern Bibles, these um, section designations can be helpful but they can also split up a thought. So Jesus is, is giving one continual teaching here. And so to understand this week's passage, we have to look at last week's and even the few weeks before that as well. But we're going to start in verse 21. So Matthew 7:21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the, wo- and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes walking on this earth, it feels like we're walking on the beach and everywhere we turn is just sandcastles. People building these monuments that are just going to perish. They're just going to fall away. Lord, let us be a people who are rooted in you. Because you were the beginning and the end. You are above and beyond the creation because you are the creator and sustainer of all things. That our hope would be built on nothing less than your spotless son who came for our righteousness that this message this morning would be an encouragement to those who were founded on the rock of Christ and a challenge to those who are looking for their foundation in other things. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would guide me this morning and I may not stumble over this, that I may just... Deliver the words that you've given me, that your spirit would work in our body and strengthen and encourage us this morning and as we go out into our neighborhood, that we would be people who are unshaken, unshifting, even if the rest of the culture around us goes to hell. Let's pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So before we get into our text this morning, uh, we want to give some basic observations And many times we can read over a passage like this that most of us are familiar with and just assume that we know all of its implications. But many times we need thoughtful and careful reflection. The past few weeks we've been talking about discernment and self-examination. And that doesn't happen in a quick passing glance. It doesn't happen in just cursory readings. It takes time to meditate and to put our mind on these, these, these passages and to set our heart on the things of God and to stop all the busyness around us. So before we get into our text, we're going to take a, a deeper look at this, this passage. Uh, and for most of us, this is self-explanatory. In, in many ways, it is. But there's some deep implications here that I hope we get out of this this morning. First, again, this is a continued theme of discernment and self-evaluation, self-examination. Because last week we looked at those who said, Lord, Lord, who are proclaiming to do things in the name of Jesus, but yet never knew him. So that's the outward. And today Jesus is taking a look at what's going on beneath the surface. What's really happening with those who are saying, Lord, Lord, but yet do not know him. So here's a couple basic observations and a couple interesting patterns in this text that we may miss if we're just reading over it quickly. So I want you to see a couple things. First of all, if you look at our text this morning, 24 through 27, and if you look at uh, verses 24 and, and 26, and then verses 25 and 27, they're, they're, they're parallel. 24 and 26 are essentially saying the same words in the exact same order with just slight changes, as well as 25 and 27 are parallel to one another. So what Jesus says first here in verse 24 is everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We see the same pattern and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. Same wording, same order to describe the wise man and the foolish man. The only difference is those who do and those who do not. Yoda would approve. There is no try here. Only do or do not. Right? And this tells them that they're both hoping for the same outcome. They're both building. They both built a house. They both want a place to live. No one wants to build something that isn't secure. They both thought they were building on something. The difference was the one who does the word of God, the one who does not the one who hears and does and the one who hears and does not. These men, these are not two men with two completely different goals. They're not setting out to do two completely different things. They're setting out to do the same exact thing. There are two different approaches. And this morning we're going to talk about the difference between rock and sand. And what building your foundation on rock looks like and building your foundation on sand looks like and what that leads to. Second thing we can look at in this passage is they're both susceptible to the same conditions. Verses 25 and 27 parallel one another. The wind comes, the floods come, the rain comes. They're both susceptible to the elements. It's not like one is a house uh, on on the plain somewhere that's nowhere near water and the other one is on the beach. No, they probably could both be on the beach. They're both being affected by the same weather. But no matter what process you use to build your house, it will get tested. That's something that's obvious here. The rains will come. And only when you are tested will your foundation, what's beneath the surface, become evident. Because this could be two men who are saying, Lord, Lord. One is founded on the things of God who hears and does them. The other is doing them in his own strength. I mean, we can picture two model homes in Florida, right? We've seen so many of these neighborhoods where all the houses look exactly the same. One is built in a sure foundation, and one probably at the end of the street is built next to a sinkhole. Those houses look exactly the same, same dimensions. Other than the number on the front, they're exactly the same. Till the rains come, till the storm comes, and then what's underneath starts to rear its ugly head. Then, from the foundation, matters. So let's get into our text this morning, starting in verse 24. And we already said that this is those who hear and do. Verse 24 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Because it's not what happens above the surface that's important. Last week we saw above the surface. Look at all these works I've done. Look at all these great things that you can see with your eye. And Jesus is saying, I care about what's going on underneath. I care about what you are founded on. And I love that Luke gives us a little bit more uh, information in this. So turn to Luke chapter 6 with me. Luke chapter 6 is a very parallel and similar passage. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, and so as many preachers, Jesus in different locations would probably give similar sermons. The Sermon on the Mount, he's actually sitting down, so he's taking more time. The Sermon on the Plain, he's standing up. So it's a more condensed version of these teachings. But there's a couple interesting details that are added. So Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. Remember what I said about our uh, section designations. Jesus doesn't even take a breath here. Look what he says at the end of Luke chapter 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and the stream broke against that house and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and ruin of that house was great. You notice a couple interesting details here. I love what he says in verse 48. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation, something we would just gloss over. How important is that? He dug deep. This is not a surface level person. This is someone who dug deep to get down to the rock. And as believers, we are to do the same thing. It's so easy to see just these surface things, to just see what we can see with our eyes. The sand's nice. The beach is is pretty. But it takes work to dig to the depths of God's word. It takes work to examine yourself and see what you're founded on. But that one who who does dig deep, the house is built well. And the other one builds his house on the sand. At the end of verse 49, when the stream... Broke against it. Immediately it fell. You're going to be exposed very quickly if you're building your house on the sand. If you're a shallow Christian, soon as hard times come, you're going to erode. You're going to break apart. And we see it all the time. We looked at this last week of people leaving the faith, people who are denying Christ because times get harder. They start to have these questions. They have no depth. I mean, the parable of the sower tells us this, right? That they spring up quickly, they look healthy, but because there's no root, there's no depth, they die off when the troubles of this world choke them. You know, it's interesting that Jesus uses so many different analogies to say the same thing. This world will choke you. But if you're not dug in deep, if you're not a person of Depth. If you're not founded on me ben- below the surface, you're going to fall. I mean, this is to me one of uh, Jesus' brilliant analogies. He uses the, the right subject at the right time. I mean, he's talking about architecture here. Other times he, he talks about agriculture, um, but here he's using this analogy to compare obedience to engineering. We've um, got a few engineering minded guys here um uh, men and women who love the way things are built love to take them apart and put them back together um one of the words that Paul uses all the time is soundness talking about sound doctrine that's an architectural term what it means to be sound is to, is to be unbroken without split to be whole so Jesus is talking about architecture here that is that is not going to be split that is not going to be shaken when storms come And I love what Paul does when he builds on this. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 2 with me, when he talks about the church, he talks about what kind of building we are to be. I love when people try to say that Paul's teaching is so disconnected and different from Jesus's. Paul masterfully takes Jesus's teaching and applies it in a technical way to the life of the believers. So in Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 19 through 22. So Paul had just finished telling the church who they were in Christ. And he says in verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. What an amazing Trinitarian picture. This is the house of God founded on Christ as a temple of the Holy Spirit. The way we are built, the soundness of the body of Christ is so important. It tells who we are. And when done well, when built on Christ, supported by the teachings of the apostles, we become a sanctuary for the Holy Spirit. We become a place where worship happens, where God's glory is shown to the world. Because we are founded on the rock. This word "rock" uh, in the Old Testament It's used many, many times, but almost half of the times that it's used, it's used to refer to God. Our God is a rock. We, we read this earlier uh, in Psalm 62, and you go on and on and on. the rock of our refuge, the rock of our salvation, our fortress. Our God is unshakable. Is a rock that is unmovable. And solid rocks do not shift when the culture shifts. Solid rocks do not break away like sand. There's a reason that the psalmists were comforted by this picture of our God being a rock. Over and over and over again, they they sang. Because we think our world is uncertain. The world has always been uncertain. Ever since the fall the world will disappoint us. The world will crumble under our feet if we're not solidly founded. That's why so many of our great hymns, I mean, this morning, it was hard to pick songs. There's so many who use this analogy. I mean, Rock of Ages. Um, this has always been an encouragement to the church that our firm foundation is on Christ. Our firm foundation is that the God of the universe came, took on human flesh, died, rose again, ascended on high, and will one day come back to, lo- to judge the living and the dead. And if our faith is in him, our eternity is secured on that solid rock. That has always been the encouragement of the church, and it should always be. So these, these hymns should encourage us. They should be shouts of praise from God's people who are anchored in him. And this is the wise man. The wise man who built this house on the rock. Scripture talks a lot about wisdom as well. And Jesus kind of gives us a biblical definition of wisdom. Who is the wise man? Simple. The one who hears and does. Wisdom is hearing the word of God and applying it to our lives. I love um, one of my professors, John Frame, has a simple quote that says, theology is application. That, And I love J.I. Packer says something similar, that if your theology does not lead to singing, it's not a good theology. Meaning if, if your study of God does not lead you to praise him, if your study of God does not apply to your feet and your hands, it's a weak theology. You need to either change your 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 theology or apply it to your life. I love that. That is biblical wisdom. We hear the things of God and we do it. There's no secret sauce. There's no magic formula. Maybe that's the secret sauce. Just hear it and do it. Because for the wise man, when the storms come, you will not fall. And Jesus tells us in verse 25, the storms will come And anyone who's walked on this earth for more than two days knows the storms will come. Amen? The storms will come. The rain will fall. The floods will erode your foundation if it's not solid. But what would you rather be built on? Is there anything else you would rather build your life and your eternity on than Christ? Because as people of God, we are founded on the rock. Capital R. And not that eyebrow guy. Um, yeah, he's big, he's tough, but that, that, that strength is fleeting. If you guys don't know that, that reference, you're probably better off. <laughs> um, that strength is temporary. You guys, I have a lot of confused faces. So The Rock is a wrestler and, and a movie star. He's a gigantic guy. who eats like 7,000 calories a day. But those, those, um, those muscles are not going to be there in a few years. Just a bad joke about, about strength. <laughs> I, I didn't want you guys to be confused for the next 10 minutes. Like, what is he talking about? <laughs> we don't put our hope and our strength in temporary things. And there is a peace that comes from those who are firmly founded in God's word. A peace in the midst of trial. Why? Because they built. We built our house on a rock. This is past tense. This is completed. Once it is built, it is there. It is not being shaken. This is a completed action in the Greek. This is the man who built his house on a rock. Uh, I went to Louisiana once for a mission trip. Uh, we were first responders, I think it was 2008, right after Hurricane Ike. Hurricane Ike hit southwest Louisiana, about 30 miles from, from Texas. We went to a little town called St. Charles. Um, and it was basically a kind of fishing village uh, near, the, near the sea. They had a small downtown a little bit further away from the Gulf. When we got there, it was about seven days after the storm hit. Uh, We were staying at a local church, and the first day, we couldn't even get a mile from the church, because seven miles in from the ocean, people were under three, four, five, six feet of water. And as the water subsided, uh, we were getting ready to go down and see what we could do. We did demolition, we handed out food, we were looking for pets, I mean, there was all kinds of crazy things, there was so much water uh, that the 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 coffins actually came out of the the uh, graves and started floating down Um, there's all kinds of stories I could tell you but there there is uh, a purpose for this because when you go on a trip like this or you you do ministry you you start to get involved in your hands with people who have needs you start having to prepare yourself you think that you have to minister to them you have to solve their problems like I don't know if I have the right words. I don't know what to say to someone who just lost everything. And so we were preparing ourselves to minister to these people. So there was a sister church that when the water subsided, they were a little bit closer to the Gulf. We went down there. Uh, We had a a, a truckload full of cases of water with people who came and who made food. And our job, uh, people would pull up in a line. It was a line miles long of people who had packed everything they could into the back of their car or their, their truck. And our job was to walk up to the car, hand them a case of water for each person, and a couple meals, prepared meals for each person. And we had a few minutes to pray with them, to talk to them. When I approached the first car, I'm thinking, all right, I have to be strong for them. I have to put on this, this face and assure them. You know what was amazing? Person after person, car after car. He said, thank God our family's safe. We didn't lose anything important. We just lost stuff. They were praising God. We came back after that day and we were just humbled because we expected these people to be broken, to be beaten up, and, to ha- and for us to encourage them. And they encouraged us. We met people who've lived in their car for four days because everything that they owned was wiped away. There was a service that that Sunday. Um, and the song we sung a couple weeks ago, the Oh No, uh, He Never Lets Go Through the Calm and Through the Storm. Never sung a song in a way that you, when you sing it with people who have gone through a storm like that and are praising God at the top of their lungs because He's still faithful and they're founded in Him. They're the most amazing people I've ever met. They still humble me to this day. I want to give you an encouraging scripture when the storms come, because they will. Uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with me. Chapter 7. Church, uh, you that's great. Gotta love, you gotta love uh, audio Bibles, right? <laughs> Second Corinthians four. This is one of the most encouraging passages to me whenever I'm I'm struggling. Starting in verse 8. eight, Second Corinthians four, verse eight. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed; perplexed, but not driven to despair; persecuted, but not forsaken; struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Skip down to verse 16, see what he says here. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. As Christians, there are times when we are beat down from every side, crushed but not destroyed, but we don't lose heart because our faith is in the things that are unseen, the things that are eternal. These light momentary affliction are preparing us for glory. If we are founded on the rock, That is our assurance. That's very different from the people who do not have a solid foundation. They, back in our Matthew passage in verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The foolish hear God's word. But don't listen. They listened, they would do. And any of you know the difference between hearing and listening. You're all hearing me right now, but some of you are not listening. We all hear when our husband or our wife talk to us. Kids always hear when your parents talk to you, but do you always listen? Do you always apply it? Jesus is recognizing you are you are hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth, but it's not registering. That's who the foolish man is. Who hears the teachings of God? And it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. Just womp, 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 womp. We've all been there. I'm sorry if I've ever sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher. It's it's, maybe it's you, it's probably me. Or maybe like flight attendants who give us important information, but we've heard it so many times that we just tune them out. If it were ever to go, the plane was ever to go down, would we really know? how to put the mask on and get to the door, we'd probably all start freaking out because none of us ever listen. What part of God's word do you tune out? Where does scripture hit really hard that you just stop listening? Because that's our tendency, right? We can easily be foolish. We can easily say, I love all these doctrines. I love, love, joy, peace. Patience? Ooh, I skipped that one. How often do we pick and choose? But think, thankfully, we are not the foolish if we have ears to hear. But the foolish who prefer their own passions and their own preferences to the things of God, the house is built on sand. Like someone last week is crying out, Lord, Lord. Look at what we've done, but they're built on sand. It's just an illusion. Let's talk about sand for a second. We live in Florida. We're familiar with with sand. I don't know if you ever um, stared at sand and thought about it. But, you know, sand, when you're walking on it, seems firm, but you pick up a handful of it. It's firm for a moment, but it just crumbles and slides through your fingers. There's no substance to it. There's no depth to sand. You ever stood on the beach uh, when the tide's coming in? Where your standings feels solid. As the waves creep up and they crawl over your, your, your feet, it begins to erode underneath you. Sand has this illusionary kind of quality that it seems like it's solid. So a little bit of water comes and then it changes completely. Of course, Jesus is brilliant when he uses these, these analogies because he hits it right on the head. And this is how deceiving it can be to build your life on anything but Christ. Sand is perishing. Sand is fleeting. How are you first going to build a structure without considering what it's built on? I mean, we spend thousands of dollars on on surveys we employ physics and mathematics and calculations to find the best place to put a house have all that wisdom available and some people are just like nah put it on the sand the sand's pretty aren't we tempted to do that sometimes when I mean, god's word is so clear and so rich and we're like give me the pretty thing give me the beach it looks fine the storm's never going to come the rain's never going to happen So many people have built their entire lives on philosophies and ideologies that are just sand, that are just empty. You ever talk to people like that? You ever kind of poke holes in it a little bit? Really, this is what your entire life is is based on. You ask some difficult questions and you press a little bit further and a little bit further. And just like those beliefs, their defense of those beliefs begins to erode. Because, wait, I don't really know what I am basing my life on. I don't really know if I have any purpose beyond today. We are founded on the rock. We don't have to be intimidated by those who are founded on sand. Because many times we're afraid. Wait, I don't want to question what this person's saying because don't, isn't their opinion is as valid as mine? Not if it's not Christ, no. It is not valid. We don't have to fear that because underneath this facade, we've seen Christians who, architecturally speaking, people call themselves Christians, architecturally speaking, are the prettiest house on the block, right? They've got the best curb appeal. They've got the best grass. But after you start to get underneath, there's nothing there. There's no substance. It's all this outward facade. They found it on the rock. Where is your hope? Where is your joy? Where is your peace? We sung those things earlier. Where is your life? We don't have to fear asking those questions. Because if our life is in Christ, no other answer threatens us. No other idea threatens us. Because the foolish who are on the sand... Or like the person in the previous passage, says, Lord, Lord, look at this beautiful house I built. Look at the curb appeal. Look at my landscaping. I don't know. And Jesus says, I don't know you. You're founded on sand. And as soon as your grass rots and your paint chips, you're going to fade away. And I meet so many Christians in In the church, some honest believers, some who think that they're believers, whose lives are in complete chaos. Finances falling apart, their marriages are falling apart because they're founded on everything else but Christ. Yeah, of course I love Jesus. But you, you start to ask questions and you see, where is your hope really? They listen to every competing voice of listening to the things of God and putting them into practice. Because if you're not listening, you can't do. You must hear and do or you will fall. What you've been building will fall. And Jesus tells us that in verse 27. The foolish will fall in the storms of life. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. It's so easy to get caught up on what we can see. These two beautiful houses, what's the difference? Dig deep, get beneath the surface. Those you love, dig deep with them. In your life, dig deep. What am I really founded on? So as we close this morning, what is your foundation? And ultimately, if we're in Christ, our foundation is Christ. But is it wholly in Christ? Is it completely in the things of God? Or is it kind of trusting in God here, but really entrusting in my 401k over here? Am I kind of trusting in God in every area of life but my marriage? Am I trusting in God in every area of my life but my finances because I really want my checkbook to balance? What are we founded on? Is our hope built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness? Because really, if we have that, the rest of the world does not matter. And the rest of the world will be added unto us if we are founded on that. Let's be honest with ourselves this morning. Throughout this, this week, I want you to ask a question. Maybe a couple questions. What are you trusting in that is transient? What are the things you, in your life, that you get comfort from that are functionally sand? And how can you redirect those things to Christ? Where in your life are you looking for peace and foundation in anything that is not built in the personal work of Christ? I'm not talking about daily things. Uh, things please go to work. Please, please pay your bills. Don't, 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 don't go off and become a monk somewhere. But I mean truly, really, beneath the surface, not just surface. When you're alone between you and God, what are you putting in between him and you? And let's be honest with ourselves. Do we, do we really know how to hear his word and do it? Do we really know how to listen and put into practice the things of God? Or do we really struggle there? That's what self-examination looks like. That's why when we approach the communion table in a few moments, we're going to give you time to reflect and to repent before God of unrepentant sins, of things that you've lifted up to the status of idol that are in fact sand. Because you are founding your life on anything other than Christ. It is sand. There is nothing more sure than we serve the creator of the universe. Who created us in his image. Who walked in our skin because we couldn't walk the way he did. There is nothing more sure than on that cross, the wrath of God was poured out for our sins. There is nothing more sure than he rose from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us if our faith is in him. And there is nothing more sure than he is coming again. There is nothing more sure than we will be a part of his kingdom forever. And those are the things that we are founded on. Let's be people who are wise, who hear the word of God and do it, who are founded on the rock, firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. You are worthy of all praise. We can't put into words how awesome, majestic, wonderful, and beautiful you are. You are the source of every good gift. And you are our only sure foundation. You are our only hope, our only joy, our only peace, and our only salvation. Lord, I pray that we would seek you Deeply, that we would drink deeply of living waters, that we would be people who have depth, a sure foundation in you who are unshakable, that when people ask us for the hope that is within us, we boldly boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. And that as the rest of the world falls away, as the storms of life come, we are standing on you. We love you and we praise you in the sweet name of Jesus, the name above all names, the only name under heaven in which there is salvation. And all God's people said, Amen.